0: So we use XR in uh, meetings. In where actually we play games. You get to shoot virtually at your oh. manager.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With the manager in the
0: room or without? Yeah, he's in the virtual room. So we all are home, and then you get to really uh, shoot at him.
1: Innovation rock stars. Innovation rock stars. In this episode, we welcome Jana Udayakumar. Global Foresight Data and Analytics Lead at Ericsson Consumer Lab. Hi guys and welcome back to Innovation Rockstars. My name is Chris Müllroth and in this episode I'm really excited to welcome Jana. So Jana is Global Foresight Data and Analytics Lead and I guess you are still based in Stockholm is that true?
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, Stockholm, beautiful city. have been there a couple of years ago but the nightlife of Stockholm is, that's not the topic for today, but it's, it's really <laughs> awesome. And uh, Jana, you're also, I guess you, you, you combine a unique blend of uh, foresight data and analytics experience, something that that will be very helpful for today's conversation. So thanks for a lot for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on the Innovation Rockstars show.
0: Yeah. Hello. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. And I really look forward to speak to you today.
1: All right. And as always, uh, we start straight away with a short 60 seconds introduction sprint. So the idea is really to have a short and concise, you know, um, monologue all about you, your career uh, and your current role. So uh, Jana, for the next 60 seconds, the stage is yours. Let's go.
0: Yeah, sure. So currently, as you mentioned, my role sits within Ericsson Consumer and Industry Lab. So we are a team uh, that focuses on technological trends, uh, looking into the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But my background um, has predominantly been uh, in marketing and data science uh, for the better part of a decade. So I worked for market research agencies for a long time, where I'd work with external clients to try to um, understand typical business problems like marketing effectiveness, product, new product development, pricing, um, customer segmentations. Um, And I was lucky enough to have worked in many different categories. So from luxury car markets to beers to shampoo and conditioners, um, which I feel has really equipped me then to work in in foresight uh, in in the current team that I am, because you really get to learn and understand People's attitudes, lifestyles, what it leads to their behaviors at the global level. So yeah, it's been now two, almost, yeah, over two years now that I've been at, uh, consumer lab in living in Stockholm, learning about the Swedish culture, Ericsson and its vast ecosystem. Um, so my role today. Uh, though grounded in data and analytics, it does spans multiple disciplines because I do lead projects, participate a lot in ideation uh, with business stakeholders, scenario building, uh, report writing, um, among other things. So yeah, look forward to tell you a little bit more about what I do and the projects I've been working on.
1: Yeah, that's great. And uh, to to get you know a little bit better, um, as we always do in the Innovation Rockstars podcast, I do have three sentence starters for you. So I would read the sentences, um, at least the sentence starters. And then I would like uh, to ask you to complete those sentences, right? So let's get into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to, uh, you know, hear how you would like to complete the sentences. Uh, Number one Mm -hmm. is um, when I am not immersed in the world of technology and
0: innovation, I love to. Eat out in restaurants. So me and my wife both like to eat. Um, So we like to go out and try out different cuisines. That's the beauty of being in a new city. Everything is a discovery. So we are sort of Mm. eating our way through Stockholm. (laughs) That's great.
1: And what what is one technology gadget or tool that you cannot live without? Don't say iPhone.
0: (laughs) I recently actually (laughs) got noise-canceling earbuds and honestly, they've been life-changing. I've been using them basically every day and especially when I'm commuting or traveling on the train or, or on, on the plane, um, they're amazing. Understood, oh yeah, that's fair.
1: Okay, and one, one, one thing that most people, you know, do not know about working at Ericsson Consumer Lab is?
0: Ericsson Consumer Lab actually has been around for almost 28 years uh, within the organization, so within Ericsson, mm. though in different forms, they, it's, it's, a, it's a team that's been around for quite a while.
1: That is pretty long, nearly three decades. Mm. Right now we have 2023, so that is a mm-hmm. fairly long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. So now, okay, so let's, let's do this. Now let's dive into some of the, um, yeah, details. Um, we we'll may maybe we'll talk a little bit, uh, you know, further down the line about the actual. Uh, consumer Lab, but I would be interested first in talking about something that's been buzzing quite for a few um, years in the tech world now, which is extended reality and augmented reality. So XR, AR, you know, maybe also VR. Um, all these, all these uh, abbreviations that actually should extend and augment our reality. Um, and I think um, you know you've been working on a report about this. Um, which uh, sheds light on some future developments. So can you maybe give us a sneak peek into that report? What's next in the, as you mentioned before, the three or maybe even five and 10 years horizon in that space?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the project or the study that we are currently working on is actually a follow-up from previous studies that we've done in the past. Mm. Uh, Some even dating back to 2017, uh, where we released a study called Merged Reality and 2019 even where we had the Internet of Sensors. So Merged Reality goes from the idea uh, that when the Internet was born, the world was divided into two halves, the offline and online world. But uh, what if this world were starting to intertwine and these uh, experiences could be um, or experience in both ways and by leveraging AR, VR, so XR, um, essentially. So back then we understood and we looked into people that were early adopters uh, and see what were their belief in uh, these devices that could exist. And we saw that almost um, 50% of early adopters believed that by 2025, there will be lightweight AR glasses available for people to use. And now we are at uh, almost the end of 2023. So let's say almost 2024. And we are quite far away from, from that um, mm-hmm. to happen. Um, so the purpose of this study that we're running today, or currently, is to see what is holding back this mainstream adoption.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what does the current market look like? And so for that, we, we conducted uh, a series of interviews uh, among many startups and experts, but also ran our own quantitative study and um, interviewed people that are current users of device, XR devices, so whether they are using VR or AR devices, but also look at people that are using AR applications on the smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have certain applications already, right? So we have IKEA place uh, where yep. you can look at furniture and sort of place them into your living room or, or you know any different rooms and see how it could look like. You have Google lens where you're able to translate immediately any sort of pictures. So, there are different applications around it and see how people are using it. Um, we are still sort of understanding uh, while doing the main analysis, but what we can see today is um, that there is obviously clearly an appetite for XR experiences. So, we tested many different use cases and, and sort of those that are grounded in today, but also um, that could be quite novel. And there is an appetite for XR experiences to break out of just entertainment. So I think one of maybe the stigma of VR or to some extent is that, oh, it's only for gaming, for example, or it's mm-hmm. only for watching movies. But I think what would we, what we're actually seeing is that beyond that, there is really an opportunity to enhance daily activities like real time navigation or real time translation tools. Um, So there is a chance for XR to make it into our daily lives. It can really break the mold of the mundane routines that we do by making it really more convenient um, for us.
1: And I think you have a very good point here in making things more convenient and, but also (laughs) frankly speaking, make it more easy to use. So uh, when, when just, uh, you know, two years um, back, we were actually trying to, uh, you know, refurbish uh, our house. Um, we actually ended up in doing this with PowerPoint, uh, uh, with the Adobe um, Photoshop, and not with mm-hmm. the IKEA app. And the simple mm-hmm. reason was that, and this is actually plain stupid, but it was easier mm-hmm. to do this with Photoshop than with any of the AR, VR, XR apps out there. <laughs> really getting into them, selecting the furniture, blah blah blah. blah. It was so much easier mm-hmm. to just, you know, get all the furniture with transparent background in the Photoshop mm-hmm. and it, take a picture of the room and just place it there to get a feeling of how mm-hmm. this would look like. So mm-hmm. making things easy to use, I guess, is super important and integrating it, as you say, seamlessly um, into mm-hmm. something. Um, and the same for the variables. I totally agree. Um, what, what, what could be a good path to transition, for example, from mobile devices, as we have it today, to more, you know, XR-like devices? Because for me, for example, I'm not used mm-hmm. to wearing glasses. I may be used to wear sunglasses, mm-hmm. um, but it, it would take some you know, convincing for, for example, people like me to now put on Mm. glasses every day that I'm not used to. So what could a possible transition path from today mobile devices to XR look like?
0: Yeah, I think what we're seeing is the the path, because of course, I think some of the talk is that um, XR or AR is supposed to replace the smartphone, Mm. but that's not something that we really believe. I mean, not at least in the next five to 10 years um, what we see is almost a duality of the devices. Mm. So each device, the smartphone and XR device, will le- uh, live co- uh, together and they will each serve their own purpose. Um, whereas the, we see that the smartphone perhaps is uh, better for daily usage and for more in the moment usage, where you may be out and about and you may need to use NAR applications, like let's say navigation or uh, translations. When necessarily you didn't maybe plan to use uh, a AR mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. but you may need to, then the smartphone is really great at that. And to some extent, almost get people used to the tech itself. What does AR can do for people? Um, I mean, for, for example, for me, where I live in a country where I don't really speak the language, um, mm-hmm. Google lens has, you know, come, come to the rescue many different times. Uh, so that's And then when we look at, um, XR or AR glasses, of course, they have advantage that the smartphone can't do because at the end of the day, a, a smartphone does have limited uh, field of view and you probably don't want to use it for too long because yes. you know, you're know you holding up your, your phone in, in the air and then it gets tiring. And we see that as one of the key uh, challenges in people that are using AR applications today that uh, they feel that, uh, yeah, holding up your phone for a long time is, is not really great. So there's a form factor um, issue. And really the beauty of XR is this immersiveness, right? Mm-hmm. So to, f- to feel immersed, you sort of ha- need to have this, um, more of this vision uh, that, that covers sort of, you know, your vision to some extent. And, and then you start adding those, those senses. You know, I mentioned this report that we had done called the internal senses. And this was looking at um, beyond uh, what, what you see what are the other senses that can be leveraged to give you more of an immersion? So we talked about um, uh, touch. You know, now we talk about yeah. haptic feedback to some extent. Uh, that could be one where you have also um, the, the the ear. You know, listening into certain things. I mean, now with my earbuds, I can. Um, there's a functionalities. Uh, they're called ambient mode, right? So if I'm walking, I can listen to things, but then there's a voice mm-hmm. that sort of only voices can get through. Um, and I saw that there was a leak from the next, I think Samsung XR device that potentially could have smell into it. So really oh, um, Jesus. those elements, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, it's interesting to see that this is where, you know, the, the big players are, are trying to move forward. It's not immersion. Yeah. It's not just one sense, but it's multiple senses. And this is something that we've yeah. seen yeah. in our previous studies. And of course, that part would probably help uh, get an appeal uh, into people, into trying out more our application. But the first thing is, yeah. before the barrier to entry, which is before buying an Excel device, you know, try using it on the smartphone, start doing, see how it's yeah. useful for them. And then slowly they will uh, potentially can get a device and so on
1: yeah and let's maybe talk about some of these exact you know use cases um that could you know really work and that maybe also excite you personally because i think mm. of the for example the the samsung announcement that you know, in 2023 they uh you know want to release uh, a mixed reality headset and i saw this uh which w- included this massive you know goggle in front of you plus some headphones um, and then, you know, wearing this even for an hour or two probably, you know, gets really annoying, um, because it's so massive, it's, it's, it's bulky. Um, it has some weight, uh, to it. And you also have to have your, uh, for example, headphones on for an even better experience, I'm not talking about putting something in my nose, maybe if I want to smell something. So, <laughs> you know, that it doesn't, it j- mm. j- just, just doesn't feel, um, you know, as, as intuitive. It's just, you know. I don't know, traveling to actually a real world place. Mm. And for example, imagine uh, in uh, experiencing um, the, the world there, but I, but I get it. Maybe we can talk about some of the future use cases really from a consumer, um, but also from a mm. B2B perspective mm. that seem to, be, uh, seem to be promising.
0: Yeah, I think that there's quite a few, but the ones that I find uh, most interesting is tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can see that from a consumer spe- perspective, there is a high interest among uh, consumers in enhancing touristic experiences um, related and even adjacent to just the touristic experience itself. Like, like I mentioned, uh, real-time navigations and, and translations. These are um, use cases that will be really useful when people are traveling and, and so on. So what I think it's most interesting from an augmented reality perspective, it could be real market for the tourism industry to enhance experiences and potentially uh, that could even become the standard, right, for the Mm -hmm. industry where consumers expect certain AR services to be offered uh, whenever they're visiting um, certain landmarks and and so on. But within the same area of tourism, I think there's also uh, an appetite for VR tourism. So, while you're not actually Mm -hmm. traveling there, but you're actually in your home and potentially visit a place or destination from the comfort of your home. So, from a consumer perspective, it can, of course, save money, let's say, or, or it could be a convenient way of exploring cities from from where you are. But what does that mean for uh, the local tourism economy, right? What does that mean for actual businesses um, in certain cities that we know that when people are not physically there to spend monies like Barcelona or Paris or, you know, we saw that during COVID, a lot of the money mm. that was generated uh, through tourism, like I think cities like Barcelona, it was not there anymore. Um, th- this part, I don't know. I mean, it could be that either way, either when you experience something in VR, it triggers something that, you know, you want to go and visit th- the city in the real life. Maybe it helps mm. actually open mm-hmm. up an appetite for those cities. Um, I had a colleague who actually said something interesting that when she comes back and she tries, um she explores the city through VR uh, that she's already been to almost relive those memories, um, which I find, which I think was quite interesting. Um, I mean, we saw that, um, what well, one of the features for the iPhone 15 was this spatial video capturing, yep. which I think was quite interesting. And we know, of course, the Apple vision pro um, it's more of a, a device that's supposed to be used at home because of course, these only have mm-hmm. a two hour battery life and so on. But what I found um, quite intriguing is uh, this ability to then capture spatial videos, but then you come back home and you consume them in an immersive environment in, in your home. So that could be a potentially something that people could do you know, reliving those, those memories or reliving those places that you visited um, uh, at, at home, perhaps. So mm-hmm. it could go either way. Either you could, I'm not sure if it's going to cannibalize the, the, the t- tourism industry or he's actually going to yeah. grow it. Uh, that's something I think to 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 observe.
1: You know what what help what would help me quite a lot, um, from consumer perspective, hmm. if if IKEA would help me provide three uh, D manuals for building <laughs> the stuff, I do yeah. right, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Yeah, so, yeah. That, maybe <laughs> that's on me, right? But I'm not the the most, um, uh, uh, you know, I I'm not that most crafty. Um, yeah. so, you know, you know what I mean? So I'm good at different things, but maybe not, uh, in this types of things. So if, yeah. if there was an easy way to do that, right, to see 3d manuals in front of me, okay, this is where I need to put the screw. Then you need to do this, blah, 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 blah. This, you know, yeah. um, piece 27 out of 576, that's in the package mm. fits here, blah, 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 blah. You know, th- this would, for example, help me a lot. Um, I yeah. could also, you know, imagine some training and learning, um, Use cases, for example, um, th- these could yeah. be healthy, but for travel, this is interesting. Um, and maybe, maybe can indeed help, you know, some of the places uh, around the world uh, with tourism. Yeah. Sure, why not?
0: Uh, yeah, I think we see multiple, I mean, this is one I think is interesting for me personally, because it's just almost a conundrum. It's like, okay, what's mm. going to happen? There's almost this VR, AR element. But yeah, like you said, there's many different use cases. I mean, people, home pla- virtual home planning is, is, is obviously an interesting one. The daily enhancements. Of course, entertainment is also a big one as well. with Sports, gaming, video streaming, mm. um, and and that's the, I think that's the sort of the beauty of us here as XR is that it's just not for one part; it's a sort of can apply to many aspects of our lives. Um, but yeah, this this IKEA one, I, I I think now that you mention it, yeah, I could really do with that as well. I think probably save a lot of arguments in the household yeah, I'd love um, that. with that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> now let's go one step further. Let's um, merge the worlds of. Um, XR which again includes all the different um, augmented virtual um, yeah. extended reality uh, discussions and artificial intelligence or any means of of um yeah AI how yeah. how could these two technologies complement each yeah. other
0: yeah well if we think about AI in the world of XR it's actually been used for many years now especially mm. more in the back end of things I would say so Uh, developers have been using it from a technical point of view, um, to, to develop applications, um, and so on. Now, I think if I take XR and, and, and maybe generative AI to some extent, and they are both general purpose technologies. So for me, it sounds like it's a natural fit and the, the combination of uses for them are probably immense and quite vast. Um, the typical use that I've seen are this ability to generate images on the go as you move, mm-hmm. whether it's for entertainment purposes where you could adapt books or text that could be instantly turned into an immersive experience tailored to you. Um, I think Roblox is actually leading the way in some, in some sense mm-hmm. I've seen that they have created uh, in their own sort of Roblox environment where people can create objects or, or things uh, using generative AI. So from text, uh, which I think is quite interesting. Um, one one use case that I thought was quite interesting that I heard on a on a on a panel uh, was um, using generative AI personas to bootstrap chat rooms in a, in the metaverse to some extent, uh, which I thought was quite interesting because I think one of the maybe challenges at the moment with these virtual ch- chat rooms. Um, is the lack of people, right? I mean, you have a high volume maybe of, mm-hmm. of chat rooms and maybe you have like five people in each of them. So it's a little bit hard to get a community going in that sense. And um, this idea of bootstrapping and using virtual personas, I thought was quite um, was quite innovative way of doing it. So that you sort of start. And then as more people come in, you sort of decrease the number of digital personas and, as, and you fill the room with real people to some extent.
1: Mm. Can, can you maybe also share how the, um, you know, if, if there is any technical or now let's say ethical considerations when blending that, that, that'd be even more interesting because mm. technical, sure. We all know that, mm-hmm. um, this is progressing and there are obvious challenge challenges, but are there any, yeah, ethical considerations, for example, when blending, uh, XR mm. with artificial intelligence? And if so, what, what are those? I think,
0: I mean, of course, there's a lot of discussions, uh, today with AI ethics, um, mm. A lot of the um, discussions of course are about, you know, AI and what you train the model on and and so on. I think we are waiting, uh, you know, Gemini from Google, I think it's supposed to come next month and one of the novel part of it um, is that it's gonna be multimodal, right? So it's gonna be able to take images, videos, um, anything, and then being able to give you an output of any of those modes as well. Mm -hmm. And we know with XR, for example, is, uh, one of the way it functions, it, it has cameras, right? So it has external cameras looking, um, looking out there. So these are the things that we need to maybe think about. Okay. When we are combining this sort of input that's always c- collecting information, um, how does that work from a, a usage perspective? How can you sort of put the guardrails on so that, you know, you're, you're not sort of using training a data or using this, the data from video or images uh, without the right um, guardrails that's been put in place to some extent. Mm. Um, yeah, this is sort of the, the main one I can think about when it comes to XR and AI, but of course with AI, I mean, this is a huge discussions at the moment. I think they both have, they both have the separate things going on with XR. Like I said, there's this element of bystander privacy um, that needs to be taken into, into account. Of course, as a user, you want to be able to use an XR device uh, as you go along. But how would you feel if you are a bystander to some extent? If you're mm-hmm. part of someone else's experience, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of social acceptance, I think, um, that needs to sort of get through uh, to, from that extent. So, I mean, we see studies where people, um, uh, we see that if someone is wearing AR glasses, for example, and, you, and the other person is not, then the person that is not feels really uncomfortable, uh, being part of that, uh, mm-hmm. experience to some extent. And if that person is using maybe some sort of personal AI assistant, that's sort of analyzing you and what you're saying and, uh, giving you hints, I mean, how comfortable would, would someone feel to to some extent, I think. So these are the sort of, um, yeah. uh, consideration that sort of jumps out to me, I would say. Yeah.
1: yeah okay. And. I, I'd be interested in how you leverage um, also XR and maybe also, also already XR and AR at Ericsson. But before we move to um, some of the lessons learned, um, Jana, let's play a quick game. Um, mm. It's Rapid Fire Round. Um, it's a very simple game. Um, the idea of the game is speed, right? So I do ask a question um, and uh, then you need to answer fast. Yeah? Don't, don't think for too long. It's three, okay. uh, three <laughs> Rapid Fire questions. Simple. Yeah. Number one, first thing you do when you wake up?
0: Uh, look at my phone. <laughs> ah, you look at your phone. Yeah. But
1: not at your VR goggles, but your phone still. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not, yeah. Yet, yeah. <laughs> not yet, yeah. Not yet, okay. It takes a little bit what? longer for that, yeah.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, what, what do you think is the most futuristic city in the world, and why?
0: Mm. I want to say Seoul. I've never mm. actually been there, but when you say futuristic city, I feel Seoul, I mean, I've done a lot of studies uh, from South Korea. And I feel like uh, they are sort of ahead when it comes to adoption of technology and so on. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> okay, great recommendation.
1: Thanks. And if you had, I mean, it's, it's hard, but if you had just one word to describe the future of XR, um, what would that word be?
0: Uh, exciting. Ah, yeah. Why exciting? Uh, because it's new, it's it's not something we mm. have experienced, um, just the idea, I mean, something as simple as watching movies, I mean, being able to do that. I mean, have, having a cinema in your home, uh, essentially. And then if, as I mentioned, these internal senses do develop, I mean, having this, uh, additional uh, senses to your experience from this convenience. I think that for me, that's really exciting. And the other part is, I mean, these things that we do on a day to day basis, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, some people do enjoy putting things uh, together like the Ikea uh, furniture, but uh, some yeah. people don't. So for them, it sort of removes this <laughs> the boring or annoying part of things and, and, and make it, it could make it exciting or gamify experiences that are really actually mundane.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Now, as, as, as I introduced you um, as, you know, having quite a unique blend um, of skills that includes, you know, foresight, Um, expertise methodology but also data and analytics expertise which i think is super interesting um Mm. let's go one step further and talk about foresight at ericsson how you came to the you you come to these conclusions how you guys work Mm. um Mm. at also the lab Um, um so first question is do you actually use xr yourself at ericsson and where and how
0: yeah. So we use XR in uh, meetings. So we try to have um, uh, meetings in that, uh, into, um, uh, I don't, I, mean, not, I can't call it the metaverse anymore, but you know, the sort of digital, uh, digital environment. We don't do it as often, uh, to be honest, but, um, on a weekly basis, we have uh, an ongoing weekly half an hour every Friday morning where actually we play games. Um, I haven't attended them in a few weeks now, but I know it's still ongoing where, uh, you get to shoot virtually at your manager, so that's always a, a one way to uh, oh. <laughs> remove some stress. <laughs> uh, that is interesting. With uh, the
1: manager in the room or without?
0: Yeah, he's in the virtual room. So we all are home, and then uh, yeah. the, the, the manager also joins. And uh, if you if he, he really annoyed you during the week, then you get to really uh, shoot at him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. Let's take this offline Jana and uh, <laughs> uh, dis- discuss on a, on a side note. But yeah, that's a nice use yeah. case, actually. So for getting maybe rid of some of the frustrations you have. Uh, cool <laughs> one. Yeah, okay. A- any more other use cases you use this for, except for um, basically shooting at your managers at Ericsson?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, mainly for meetings uh, at the yep. moment. Um, this is more working for within ourselves. We have done research in uh, in the Metaverse uh, or you know, in sort of virtual environment in the past before, um, just to get people into this environment, uh, especially if we want them to, um, we we are interviewing consumers perhaps, and you want them to sort of think of a particular scenario or or try to be in a room that sort of um, helps them put themselves into that scenario. So we've used that in 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 that aspect as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay, now now if we add the data and analytics skills to all the foresighting work um, um, that you guys do, how yeah. do you, for example, use um, as we discussed prior to to the recording today? How do you use, for example, GenAI for you know mm. research for foresight um, for ideation? Maybe you could just guide us through in how how your process looks like and what tools you use, for example, GenAI and also others. Where you get the data from? Mm. How to analyze it? Uh, and how you guys do uh, research um, over there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, without maybe, maybe even Gen AI, right? I mean, we only had access to it, I mean, for a few months now, but <clears throat> right. I think right. what I find interesting or one of the unique aspects of foresight really and a challenging part is that there's not really a right answer. Um, all you can do is reduce the uncertainty of the foresight based on numerous sources of information. So what we do is, we conduct usually a lot of experts' interviews. We do um, our own primary research. We look at uh, media monitoring, so social media trends, and, and then also look at, from a technical point of view, what are the technological developments in a particular area? So, okay, there's all this demand. This is what people say. But from a, a tools perspective, what, what are the people working on the actual hardware saying or the software? Another key assets for us in Consumer Lab, and um, as mentioned, we've been around for 28 years, uh, is that we have accumulated a lot of data over the course through these studies. Um, mm. So this is a unique quality for our teams. So we're able to access that and look how perceptions, views, behaviors have, have changed over the past three decades and really look at the emergence of certain technological cycles. I mean. We've been able to see and go back and see, look at the, the emergence of the smartphone and how people's views were, when the smartphone actually came out, uh, and how, across many different countries, uh, the adoption rate has sort of um, improved and, 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 and increased to some extent. So looking back on that, you can really help understanding foresight and really what has already happened in the past and what type of underlying needs. Uh, Were being fulfilled by by different Mm -hmm. tools, so we Mm -hmm. we, when we do a new report, we tend to base it on multiple studies. Um, And as I mentioned, we we then we do primary research through quantitative surveys to sort of help complement these gaps in our understanding on on a topic. Um, Yeah, and we then when it comes to generative AI, I mean, I think there's different parts of it. I mean, there's more of the helping us in the operational part of things i'll say in the process maybe in the ideation phase uh to some extent so when back in january or february i put together this sort of uh, document where see where the gas generative ai could start helping us in our mm-hmm. research project and what i've got to understand is that it can actually help us throughout the different st- phases of it so firstly in the ideation phase okay what is the topic that we want to research what is the Uh, Where do we want to sort of deep dive into it? Why is this topic useful? And what it can do is it can really help scratch the surface, really, Mm -hmm. because at the moment, of course, we still need to have this critical thinking added to it and say, okay, well, this is good and this is not bad to some extent due to what our needs are. But you can really exhaust a lot of the ideas to some extent, which I think was, was quite useful. Then you can help you in the design of the study of the methodology. Okay. What type of methodology you want to do? Then in the analysis stage, and then when you're actually writing the report as And, um, us, Ericsson, we are have, you know, different type of stakeholders, uh, people that have different needs and, and, and so on. So this really helps us put ourselves in the shoes of different stakeholders as well and say, okay, this is an insight that could be interesting for this team or this partner or this, um, Uh, customer. But how is this also useful for completely different um, stakeholders? So this really helps you again, almost like a thinking partner that has this expertise in many different different, um, areas, I would say.
1: And how is this organized? Do you work, um, you know, does the team kind of work independently or are you getting requests from certain teams and business partners um, to you know, help them come up with new ideas or at least with some insights uh, based on your foresighting work?
0: I think a bit of both. Uh, we also, we come up with a lot of, um, so the way it works, we come up with our research topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have to do a lot of reading and usually it also comes from a lot of discussion. So through the year, we have a lot of customer interactions. Um, so we we talk mm. to a lot of customers uh, of Ericsson. We talk to our stakeholders in Ericsson research, but also in the business units, uh, in the marketing teams. And, and that's what happens throughout the year. So when we do come up with a research topic, mm. it tends to be quite relevant. But then we, once we come up with a topic, we tend to put together this sort of research proposal, which then we then present to our stakeholders and really get some inputs. Um, so it's a, it's a working collaboration, but, um, we do come up with the idea, but the idea doesn't come from just us, for example, it's sort of based on based a lot of, a lot of discussions.
1: Okay. Okay. Got it. And, and can, can you maybe share an instance where the, uh, foresight, um, reports or maybe even predictions actually impacted a, you know, a, a critical business decision or a strategy mm. at Ericsson?
0: So one I can <clears throat> think about is um, you think back to the early stages of 5G um, back in 2019, 2018. Most of the discussions around 5G was, tended to be quite enterprise oriented, mm-hmm. um, especially from the industry itself. So a lot of uh, industry analysts uh, and, and so on th- thought that 5G was more for uh, enterprise solutions like manufacturing, mining, And it was uh, some of the myths were that uh, there was not really a consumer um, benefits to it. Uh, There was no really use cases for it. But So back then in 2019, uh, Consumer Lab did a study called 5G Consumer Potential, where we looked into use cases um, that could really leverage 5G from a consumer perspective, Mm -hmm. and not just Uh, use cases that were grounded back then but things, novel use cases that could be. And I think this is one of the advantages of of Foresight of being a Foresight team is that we can think beyond uh, what was um, what people were doing at the time or what the technology allowed you to but you go beyond that and say well this technology is useful when this happens. So we looked into uh, consumer use cases through different industries like uh, automotive, to social and entertainment, social and communications, entertainment. And this really helped uh, the company balance or Ericsson balance the narrative between enterprise and consumer and really bringing the outside in perspective that they are really 5G use cases uh, for consumers beyond what it was originally intended for. Um, so this really helped spark the wide conversation within the organization to take into account um, and really equipped um, our colleagues uh, in the regions, but also in business units uh, when they're having these conversations with uh, people within the industry or even um, customers,
1: yeah, so that's a great impact, a great uh, success mm-hmm. story. Um congratulations to this one. now if 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 you look into you know try to try to do some foresight for foresight and maybe mm-hmm. also for innovation, do do you see that there's any future potential, for example, for using? Um, generative AI for foresight and innovation? Or would you also argue um, that this is you know, totally overhyped um, and cannot be used and maybe the future for foresight and innovation looks differently? What, what is your personal take on this?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, so at the moment, if we think about foresight and um, as sort of mentioned, you think about different scenarios. So you think of a potential scenario that could happen based on all your input and all this discussion that you had. And you say, okay, in 10 years time, this is what I think this could happen for a particular topic uh, and you base this on your knowledge on a technology and cultural differences, geopolitical agendas and and so on. And then you go back to today and you think, okay, these are the consecutive steps that need to happen for this uh, scenario to happen. And I think what you could do uh, with generative AI is help you build the scenarios in the form, potentially in the form of simulations, right? Mm -hmm. What if you could, uh, I mean, we know there's um, agents, um, AI agents, where you give it the final objective and then the AI itself work its, itself, the steps that it needs to do for that objective to be happened. Maybe AI agents could help you uh, get there. Um, or, you know, what if we could immerse ourselves in those worlds? Um, so if we believe that okay, in 10 years' time, there's gonna be a mainstream of um, AR where 80% of the population are wearing AR, but you wanna understand the ethical consideration that you need to take into account. What if you could sort of simulate the world uh, like that? And you mm. can then mm-hmm. immerse yourself in it and really think about um, uh, or help you understand that world uh, to get a deeper assessment of it and to think about its implications. So what GenAR really could do is bring foresight innovation uh, to, to bring those ideas to life in a matter of minutes or sec, even seconds. Uh, the the other part, I think, it can, it can really empower employees or P- team members with different skill sets to leverage or bring their visions to life without feeling that there's a barriers to it, or really feeling like they have to have areas of expertise. So if we take our team, I mean, we we are quite a diverse team. We have uh, people with a background in data and analytics, such as myself. We have uh, research academic researchers uh anthropologists, microeconomists um, sust- sustainability researchers and so on and we all help each other understanding certain topics, but not every team or not everyone has access to those experts perhaps uh, and this could really help um break some of these barriers uh, that people may may feel like uh, in helping leverage these different elements or uh with generative AI. But I think one thing we need to be careful as well is that not falling into the trap that high volume is also better. Uh, just because you can mm-hmm. generate high volume of scenarios uh, in, in, in an instant doesn't mean it's better. Um, you know, you still need to critically evaluate them and really think about a particular scenario and see, okay, this is relevant for our business or not. Um, I mean, I had this discussion with, with, um, with a colleague the other day where she said she, gener- she used um, Dali to create um, images, but then she ended up in this sort of rabbit hole, which ended up with like thousands of pictures. She's like, oh, nah, too much mm-hmm. choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that's also a, a part of a generative ad, just because you can have high volume doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, better. Yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's certainly not. I agree. Okay. Well, we've come <laughs> quite far, uh, Jana. Now, as we wrap up this, um, this episode, uh, what, what would be your three key and very actionable recommendations that you want uh, listeners to take away from this episode with you today?
0: I'll say first one is diversify your sources of information. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't necessarily stick to just one methodology or type of information. I think it's very tempting to want to just do, okay, let's do one study, one, one survey and get all our answers from that. Um, try to get as much, especially when it comes to foresight. Like I said, there's no right answer. So really getting as much information as possible from different sources um, would, would be a good way to get a, a picture of, of the future that could be uh, as least uncertain as possible to some extent, I would say. Um, then secondly, I would say when thinking about foresight ideation phase, especially don't be afraid of the wacky, crazy ideas. Um, you know, something that seems so out of today's reality but when you do think about that idea or, or whatever um, trend that you think could happen, try to think about what steps will have to happen from today for that scenario to happen. And that could really help you in even testing it, but even understanding if could, if it's really possible. Uh, and number three, I would say, don't be afraid to also reach out to strangers in the industry as well. I mean, we have we are lucky with LinkedIn now, um, it's easy to find people with similar background or similar interest, or even people that have completely different background or completely different interest. Um, but what's nice in our, let's say if we just take foresight, uh, people that work in it tend to be very curious people and open-minded, uh, and you'd be surprised, uh, how open people are when, uh, you reach out to them and you're not trying to sell something to them. You just want to have a chat. Uh, this is something that I have done, uh, in the past. And I, I, I it's always opened so many wider discussions, um, with people.
1: Yeah, it does. All right. And uh, Jana, I also have to ask you for your um, Innovation Rockstar moment. So if you look back at the professional (laughs) career so far, tell me, uh, what was your greatest Innovation Rockstar moment so far that you want to share with the community?
0: Yeah. So my favorite moment, uh, it's probably one that sounds boring on paper, (laughs) but for me, it was uh, an automation of producing high number of reports uh, for localized markets. So when I first joined the team two years ago, um, so we would do global studies and we sometimes that would include almost 30 to 35 markets. And we would then create a more personalized version of it uh, for each market so that it's more uh, relevant for them. Um, At the time, uh, there there used to be reports of a lot of charts and with a lot of data, which had to be manually, manually edited out. So Mm -hmm. when I came in, I tried to look into it and sort of looked into um, writing a script that would basically automate the the process of that. So it would automate uh, creating, updating charts um, and to some some extent, some of the text for each market automatically, uh, which then obviously alleviated a lot of time for um, our members. So people didn't have to do this mundane task of just manually going in and editing text. Um, So... That was what I did um, at the time. And I think, of course, that's only part of part of the um, innovation. I think to some extent, of course, um, once you have these 30 reports, people still have to go through it and understanding and, and giving you that little additional um, opinion or insights that we think. But I think, um, and again, maybe with generative AI, this could help us take it a little bit further and maybe be in this sort of uh, inside body that can help you. Um, uh, take this innovation or this uh, automation even further.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That well, I, I don't think it sounds boring. That's a great moment to share. <laughs> uh, thanks very much. And um, yeah, with that we already close uh, this episode. Uh, Jana, thanks so much again for being my guest. It uh, was a pleasure to listen and very interesting to understand and hear from Ericson also your perspective, your personal aspect perspective about the use of um, yeah especially XR, VR for consumers, um, maybe also a few industrial applications, but clearly we're, we have been uh, focusing more on consumer um, applications. So thanks for sharing this. Um, I'm curious to see how this is going to play out in the next five years or so. Um, and uh, thanks for being my guest. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Really nice to talk to you. I think we covered quite, quite a wide uh, amount of topics today. So. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me and um, yeah, uh, you know, discussing these topics. These are obviously topics that I'm quite passionate about, so it's always nice to, uh, to talk about these. And again, as you mentioned, we have a report uh, that we're working on at the moment, which is supposed to come out um, early next year.
1: Wonderful. All right. Thank you for sharing this and to everybody listening or watching. If you enjoyed this episode, then simply leave us a comment or drop us an email at info at innovationrockstars.show. Now that's it. Thank you for listening. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Innovation Rockstar, Jana Udayakumar from the Ericsson Consumer Lab on unleashing the future of XR and AR technology. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at innovationrockstars.show with your feedback, comments, or questions. And if you're hungry for more inspiring innovation stories, be sure to check out our website at www.innovationrockstars.show or browse through our Innovation Rockstars channel on all major podcast platforms.